Welcome to Dad's a Spicy Meatball, the show where two tired dads separated by 845 impassable miles try to keep things silly, but inevitably get overly contemplative and often weird. Hey, welcome everybody to another episode of Dad's a Spicy Meatball. I am Scott Drockelman. I am one of your dad hosts. I have been a dad now for four years. Believe it or not, Goodness. I've been a dad for four whole years. Congratulations. It's been a you real survived. blur. You know, I'm alive still. It's a it's quite a feat. There were times I didn't know. Uh, and it's all easy from here, basically. The whole rest of it. That's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. Is just a cakewalk. Is uh that's kind of the the hurdle you have to clear, and then after that it's just smooth sailing. So uh I'm excited to talk to you all because uh, it's all I'm on the I'm on the backside of the mountain and just uh, just 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 rolling on in to the lodge and I'm just gonna relax down by that fire with a little bit of uh, hot cocoa mm. and mm. you know who I'd love to have that hot cocoa with is my co-host Mister 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 Oh that's my introduction Corey Green <laughs> I'm excited to be here. Gosh, I'm excited. That white noise you were probably hearing during the introduction was me having the baby monitor way too close to my microphone. <laughs> so that's uh, that's a good start. We're off to a good, strong, strong start. It's just very uh, authentic. People will, you know, a lot of people don't realize that this is all kind of fake. We were looking for an angle to get in on this. Mm-hmm. And so neither of us are actually dads. Uh, but in order to appear so, there's been episodes where we have a crying kid you're going to hear some monitor noise. Uh, and right as we're talking, there's the beeping noise that my dishwasher <laughs> going off. <laughs> oh, real life. Real life. We're, just, we're, just, we're just bringing you into our homes. We're just, with open arms, bringing you right on into our homes and uh, just, just, just giving you a nice sample a nice siren slice of lice lice slice siren has slice. ceased i'm back i'm back he's back he's back this is a, let this be a lesson to you when my wife leaves the house even for a run things just go to complete <laughs> and utter shit even when the kids are asleep and there's nothing happening uh i still can't maintain uh anything so anyway scott how are you it's good to see you it's good to see you as well you old sandbagger you what does that actually mean do you i don't know what that means in a a sandbagger i mean i I think i know that the definite it's like somebody who's um wow how do i say this without repeating sandbagging uh it's someone with a bag of sand (laughs) it's like you know old guys how their balls just like hang really low it's like it's like a sandbagger right and somebody that's how i meant it (laughs) intentionally doesn't try yeah, is that the definition of a sandbagger? But I don't know what the like. Well, I've heard it in the from. context also of like sandbagging someone is like tricking them into like so. <laughs> I, I, so like I so might I think say you're thinking of tea bagging. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's important too. But no, like it would be like if I was actually a world class surfer, and I was like, "Core, come out with us this weekend. You'll be fine." It's actually not that big. And I was tricking you. And then when you got out there, you realized it was huge and that 
uh, you actually couldn't hang, but I just talked you into it at some point. I feel like that also means sandbagging. I I think you're correct. However, the one clarif- I think that I think the difference is, I think it's when you're like concealing your own abilities, not downplaying mm. like what you're facing. Like, cause I remember sand- sandbagging in relation to like golf. So some of things mm. sports oriented, right. but it's like when somebody has um, like a certain handicap, because players usually kind of use their right. handicap to level out. Don't ask me any questions. That's the extent to my knowledge. Nope. Keep going. And, uh, and uh, so when somebody like conceals their handicap or pretends that they're like a 15 or 20 handicap so that when you guys play and they're really a scratch golfer, they kick Got the it. shit out of you and steal your money. Got it. Or like pool. We think of like, it's like a hustler, right? It's kind of like a hustler right. mentality. Is it so like, do you think it, so let's really, let's really bore them to death. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Let's go deep. Let's go deep. Well, it originated in 1639 when uh, John Smith Williamson. See, I made it more interesting. I added a uh-huh. Williamson. On you didn't there. say Smith. You didn't, didn't say Smith. Smith you know? Williamson. It's hyphenated Williamson. too. Actually, it was one of the earliest hyphenated names. Was he took his six- second wife's name. Absolutely. Absolutely, kept his name the first time. Second mm-hmm. wife wanted a little bit of a change. Wanted to switch things up. But no, do you think it just came from like, did someone actually, let's say it was like a foot race and they tied some sandbags to them and they were like, no, this is how fast I am. And they're like, okay. That's interesting. And then they cut them loose when it was actually time to put the money on the table. Oh, oh. That's how it went down. That's interesting. I do think it's some sort of like weighing you down intentionally thing. Is it a hot air balloon thing? Here I was thinking you couldn't fly at all, and I just we just moved those sandbags, and you took off like a like a like a balloon. You, Holy smokes! You sly little dog. Holy smokes! I think that's our next uh, hobby that we get in together is we just do just hot air ballooning around the world. My buddy and I—he lives in Louisville. I live here. We went in halfsies <laughs> on a hot air balloon. It's been the best investment. So he. You know, it's the transporting it that's difficult, but it's a really, really fun thing. We've really enjoyed it. So we uh, we fly it actually back and forth. So it is several <laughs> weeks every time. <laughs> but you know, that's great. He just does it on his weeks, and then when it's his turn on his, you know, you get it, you get it. But it's yeah. yeah. If the mistake we made was the first time I drove to him. And then mm-hmm. we flew to my house, and then we didn't have a way to, for him to get home. Right. No car. That's a real and how problem. Do I get, and how do I get my car back? It's a big question. So then we just started. He took the balloon to me. I took the balloon. We both took the balloon back to his house. And then I, we had the same problem. I didn't have a, I didn't have a way to get home. <laughs> so we're having a real hard time figuring out. It's kind of one of those math problems where there's a train coming from from Yuma and there's a train coming from Tucson. And, uh, you know, one's at 65 miles an hour. It's sort of one of those types of scenarios that you got to really solve. Sometimes it's fun for that way. Yeah, you fly down here, stay with my kids for a week. I fly up there, (laughs) stay with your kids for a week. It's It's a whole thing. We haven't really gotten good at like spending time together, but it's, a nice, <laughs> it's like a nice, it's like we're, we're in the same place at different times. It's kind of like this thing that we do. Our, each of our separate families just kind of tell stories about us. Oh, you just missed it. Last week, he was up to some hijinks. Corey was up there on the roof. He had the ladder out. 
he was clearing out those sweet gumballs and uh you know one thing led to another and they split his darn pants right up there on the roof for everybody to see he was just cheeks cheeks flapping in the breeze you know and uh anyway it's probably about time for you to get back in that hot air balloon and uh (laughs) head on back home well i'm doing something just about as exciting as that you know give it to me it's it's uh I was kind of I, I don't I think the the like origin of this where I started was uh was kind of revisiting some teenage memories maybe uh yeah. and I was thinking about things that I really liked back then. Yeah. And uh so one thing led to another and you're looking at the owner of some size 13 rollerblades that are going to get some major action out on these streets. Uh, I skate is life is what I, is the way I feel about things mm. now. I need to get some stickers, I guess, probably. You need some, like, you need some neon, something or other, some neon, uh, yeah. shorts with the, yeah. um, with the sliders underneath. Ooh, that sounds nice. That sounds mm. nice. Now, do, do I, you, did, you gra- did you grab a fanny pack? Um, that's next. I can't buy it all at once. I'm not made of money. (laughs) (laughs) Is it okay? You know, I have, I have a pretty substantial chest hair. Is is it a right for me to rollerblade uh, shirtless still? Is that that an opportunity that's available to me? I think you you must. I think you must. In order to complete the dad, because, and that's the other thing. You think I'm going to get any heat out there on the streets? Because it's not, it's not what it once was. You know what I mean? Like, what what's my reception going to be like, dude? I I, I don't know if you know this, but blading. Actually, I don't know if it's skating or rollerblading, but it's have, it's making a little comeback here. Oh wow! Look at me. It's I'm having right. a bit of a renaissance. You're oh, like wow. right. You're like right in the thick of the early adopter. Wow. Like, pre-trend crowd, I think. That's just who I, I guess that's who I am. I'm just really a trendsetter. You know what I mean? You, that's you what, that's what people been. say about everything that I do, you know, that I'm just right on the cutting edge. And, uh, you know, you know, if you're, if you're a laggard long enough, you'll eventually be an early adopter. You know, that's that, what I always say. That's some wise words right there. But so, uh, 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 by that token, what is the, what's the, what's the teenage Corey thing that you're going to commit to getting back into as I am, just blading all around. First of all, before I answer that, you have a big decision to make, especially shirtless, which is when you get that fanny pack, mm-hmm. are you going to do the, the like 90s thing where you actually like wear it around your waist? Or are you going to do the like current male thing, which is the like shoulder strap? Ooh. I mean, the shoulder strap would be nice because it would kind of go right, sit right betwixt, betwixt my, betwixt. my bosoms, mm. right betwixt them. And kind of rub against that, rub that against that, for... and I might just have like kind of a patch where there's no chest hair after that, which is also pretty cool because people would immediately recognize that I'm a blader at that point. Yeah, totally, so I'm at totally. the pool later, and they'd be like, "Hold on, you seem too old, but are you a blader?" And I'd be like, "Yeah, I'm a blader." Uh, mm. I I mean, check out these wheels. See see how much yeah. wear I put on these puppies. Tell me if I'm a yeah. blader or not. Check you out these blade. bearings. Do you even blade? Do you even Bro? blade? Do you? Do, let, let me ask you this. Do you still have the break on the back of your blade? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Idiot. my gosh. Do you, do you have training wheels on your bike, too? Oh, oh my wow. gosh. 
Wow. How, Get how, what are we, what are we even doing here? Get him. Get him. Does your, does your dad still drive on the other <laughs> side of your car with a, and shout com, commands at you? <laughs> <laughs> Get him. Get him. Get him. <laughs> Roast. Roast. <laughs> So, okay, so you're imagining sun-soaked day. Yeah. A little bit of a breeze, getting on your skates, mm. putting on your Walkman, mm. Mm. riding shirtless mm. to your buddy's house, showing up, fanny pack on, mm-hmm. chest hair blazing, and just knocking on the door and saying, oh, I'm sorry, friend's wife. I was looking for your husband. <laughs> you guys got any juice? You got any high C or anything? I'm looking for some lemonade. You got any? Got any lemonade? I need a little something that'll quench my thirst. Hold on. Let me change out of these blades before I come up the steps. It's dangerous. Sorry, sorry I'm such a hot mess. <laughs> what, was, what were some of the... Um, did you have any like puberty moments where like it betrayed you? <laughs> you know? Along the way, where it betrayed me, yeah, where puberty, yeah, where it betrayed you. You know, it's sort of like the you and I both love the show Big Mouth. It's sort of uh, yeah. there's there's an awful lot of betrayal by puberty in there. The puberty monster is is after you, and it doesn't just have think, to be like that puberty monster, but but any puberty monster who was secretly sabotaging you. What was what was going on? Because I was a big voice cracker, as you know, I'm still oh. a bit of a, a voice cracker. I don't, I don't know uh, that I would have said that. It still I comes up every now and again. Yeah. All right. Uh, so I would say that betrayed me often mm. in school. Yeah. So, I definitely uh, was like my, the the man of a thousand voices for sure. You never knew it was coming out during that time mm. period. Like it just was squeaker. All I mean, it was all over the place. You never knew. It yeah. was just a brand new voice every time. You're just a little lion trying to figure I out think, his roar. I think I know? had a teacher who pointed it out, which is a terrible oh, thing to do. That's always positive. <laughs> do you remember just like the generic, did you have like the sex talk in your middle school? No, not at all. Oh, we had, uh, we had, we, yeah, we had like a, a health co- a health class. Yes, that's what I mean. I, I don't remember a lot about it. I remember that our, my teacher was gay. I remember that. Mm-hmm. And I remember that she, like, that was, I was, again, we've beat this dead horse, but, like, I grew up in Texas at a very, mm-hmm. like, conservative area. So, like, that was, like, we all knew that she was gay, but she didn't really, like, talk about it. Mm-hmm. And, like, we didn't, we didn't really know how to think, like, what to do with that or how to think about it, you know? And right. she also, I don't think she was probably allowed to talk about it. So I remember like, but I remember at a young age, like not knowing how to process that and not mm-hmm. like never feeling like it was wrong, but just feeling like, why, you know, why can't she talk? Why can't we talk about this? Why can't she talk? Anyway, but um, the other thing was, I remember her being super like resentful towards the district. Not about that. I mean, probably that was probably sure. where some of it was stemming from. But I remember she just used to always make references about things she was not allowed to discuss with us. <laughs> <laughs> Like she would, she would like allude to something that we were too like young and naive to know what she was talking about. And then she'd be like, but I can't talk, but the district tells me I can't talk to you about that. Well, that's not on the syllabus. (laughs) I'd actually love to go back and like sit, like be a fly on the wall for one of those classes. There's so many experiences as a kid that I wish I could go back and be like, 
I'd like to sit through that again as an adult, just to, just to see, like, fully understand and appreciate what was happening in that moment. That would be incredible. Because oh, yeah. I'm sure she, uh, can you imagine that? Like, why she would even put herself through that to be a teacher? Like, uh, oh, man. Yeah. I can't think of a more stifling environment for to, to, that to person. Work in a, yeah, to work in a place where your sexual orientation is not appreciated or affirmed in any way. And to, to spend your days talking to like eighth graders about sex, oh like God. sex education. It's like, that's like, that's like a personal hell. Like wow. how, like that's anyway. Wow. I can't imagine. Difficult, difficult spot. I can, I just can remember that it was very muted. Well, one, it was the, the official day where everybody got their first deodorant. It was like, <laughs> it was like, uh, and here's puberty and here's your deodorant stick. It was free. It's a free sample. It's like, you know, roughly one inch <laughs> tall container and it smells terrible. And it's like probably that gel that gets all over everywhere, but, uh, it's deodorant and you need it. You all stink. You smell really bad. If you're, if you're ever in for a treat, if you ever just want to give a real punch to the nose, I did some substitute teaching at one point in my life. And I substitute taught the, uh, PE, on a day where they had jump rope for heart for fifth graders, fifth graders. And that is the single worst smell I have still ever smelled. It was so funky. It wasn't like sweaty kids. It was like, you all should be wearing deodorant and you're not. And you're literally going for as long as you can jump roping because you're chasing these tootsie roll boxes or whatever it is that you you're going to get a prize you're going to get a, a radio an am fm radio that's uh neon green or whatever but but yeah so there's that but then i remember they would like pass in the questions or no no so they would people would, were allowed to ask questions out loud uh but they would just they would just vet them the whole time so they would like they'd be like so um why is it slippery? And they'd be like, nope, nope, nope. Next, who's uh, who wants to go next? Uh, and like, it's such an innocent question. Like, they're just curious. They don't know what's going on there. Clearly, they're a little earlier on the spectrum than yours truly. But uh, I have it so vivid in my memory of all these questions that, that no one was allowed to ask. And they were such like... Why would why would you not just tell the kid these things? It wasn't even like encouraging them in any way or could be construed as that. It's just was like, I'm curious. I don't know what's going on. I don't have any resources. I don't have the internet at this time. You're the person who I can ask. My parents are not going to answer this question. I'm asking you and you will not give me any information. You will give me the bare minimum. And then you're probably going to tell me that if I have sex, I'm going to die. And then that's going to be the end of this conversation. <laughs> And uh, and then the other thing I remember is uh, we we would we'd be like okay we're done there you know we're done everybody it's break time before next period so everybody go to the bathroom and I I just remember standing at the urinal with another kid and then being like look at all you guys you're peeing off your boners. <laughs> Yep, that was it. That was I also, it. I also wonder, like, again, going back to the point of like going back as an adult, like, how much did they explain? They just went straight over our heads. Yeah, and therefore we like, don't remember it. But the other thing is, like, when you got a class of like twenty to thirty kids, 
and you tell them something one time because it's that awkward day on your your you know your your syllabus that you have to like do that talk and play that video and then it's done that's like the only time you discuss it yep. it's like there's a lot of lingering questions here mm-hmm. i didn't get that the first time <laughs> it's like it took me it took me six weeks to get my ABCs and you just now you showed me a diagram of a penis and I'm never going to see it again. And yet it's going to haunt my memory. Like, <laughs> It's sort of the scenario where it's like a, in Hollywood where they have a real important script and you got to read it at the director's house. <laughs> you can't take it with you. You're just like, ah, uh, like, okay, yeah, I, I get the gist. It was, there were shapes. It was shapes. There was a thing. I, okay, I guess that's all I need to know. You, you set me up for success. A, I'm sorry, what, was that a Tim Burton film? Because I'm terrified. <laughs> I'm, I'm so confused and scared that I don't know. <laughs> You've only shown me the pictures that are a cross section <laughs> and not actually the real person. So I saw a lot of like urethras and, <laughs> and blood vessels of different kinds. I don't I'm really sure understand how it's connected <laughs> to a human body in any way. <laughs> it's just, uh, I, is that a kidney? I don't, what, it, what is that? I don't know what that is. Just appreciate the animation or <laughs> like, I know there's some sort of life lesson here somewhere, but I'm so distracted by the visuals that I just am not. And oh, by the way, I'm in sixth grade and I'm in <laughs> puberty yet. So none of this looks familiar to me. <laughs> um, okay. So what do you, I was just thinking about this today. I, you know, like with my son and my daughter and kind of figuring out like, okay, what influence am I having on what what it what it means to them to be a, a man or a woman? What things am I teaching them in that way? Like wh- what am I instilling? What am I what have I not even realized that I have sort of societal constructs of all that kind of stuff? So like for you, what sort of percentage or or you know, like uh how much influence is that kind of like parent or society role in what little boys or little girls end up like so wait sorry clarify so am i saying what society is the question what role does society play or like what are my i'm saying i I guess i'm asking the question of like what percentage is in there like that's just programmed in at some point and again i know you can go all kinds of ways with how fluid gender is and all that kind of stuff. But like, yeah, you know, how much is, how much is programmed in like when the day they're born and how much is like societal or family or whatever that is influencing what they are. In terms like. of like gender, generals, like sexual yeah. orientation, all that stuff. Any of it. Just, I mean, like what it means to be a man or a woman, what it means to be a little boy or a little girl, however you want to yeah. define that. Look, I'm, you joked about it. Oh, I have no <laughs> business talking about this, but I can, <laughs> I can relate my own experience, which is, I think, I think culture plays a huge role. I think parents play a huge role. And then I think some of it is genetic. I mean, I think some of it is, is I do think that like, I do think some things are a choice. I do think, I think it's a combination of nature and nurture. I mean, in my experience with my kids, Bo is super rambunctious and high energy and runs around and he is sort of fits the traits that you would say is like sort of all boy. Right. And get all the time. It's like, Oh, he's, he's, that's boys. That's boys. That's just, and I think that's, I can, I see where that's a bit problematic 
where just like if we just keep saying that's boy, that's boy, that's boy, then well, then you find an exception to that, and then that becomes, you know, they feel like the outlier. They feel like they don't fit in, or they feel worse. They feel they feel like obligated to act the way other other boys do. You know, and and Lou is, um, you know, it's interesting because I think when she was younger, I would have said she was far more chill than Bo, but I think that might be a little bit of like my own bias and my own sort of like misremembering coming back. Like, if anything, I think she's in some ways more active than he is. She's certainly more like ornery just from like a baby standpoint of like, okay, I need to change you. I need to lay on this table. And like, she just wants to roll around and keep moving and do stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I certainly think that we sort of like push. We ha- There's all these sort of subtle nudges that push kids in certain directions. Kayla and I had a conversation about this. She kind of rolled her eyes at me. But like whenever Lou came home from the hospital, like you know my mother-in-law came over and she brought her like a bunch of little like clothes which is really thoughtful and like really sweet and useful all pink they mm-hmm. were all pink yeah. every single thing she brought right and it's like well i don't know if i'm okay with that <laughs> yeah because, you know like there's there's because we're sort of dictating and you're you're starting to like play that hand and it's like i also i can't remember where i read this but like i just read that pink used to be like a hyper masculine color mm like a hundred years ago, like pink was like a hugely mm-hmm. seen as for whatever reason, just like hyper masculine. I'll, I'll have to Google it up and Google that and follow up later. But uh, I got to Google it up and Google it up. Google it up. So I think, I think culturally these things change, you know, and it's just sort of where you're brought up and when you're brought up. And, and, you know, for instance, I think that what is socially acceptable for men and women, what it means to be a man is very different today than it was when our parents were growing up and very different than when their parents were growing up and it's, um, it's going to continue to change. And so I think, I think culture has an enormous sort of influence on that. We want to make everything binary. You know, we want to make everything you're either, it's either nature or it's nurture, but the reality is it's some combination of the two. No, I mean, I, I totally agree. I think, uh, I definitely, I've kind of like tried to, test it some and just be like, okay, I'm not going to say anything about this topic and just see if any of it comes out some other way. And there's been, there's been instances where it has, and there's been instances where it hasn't. And again, my kids are not in school yet just because of COVID and everything like that. So there's not even that kind of exposure where that influence has been in there yet, but there definitely have been things where I'm like, oh, okay, that is, that's already different. And I didn't, I don't think I programmed that in. Like maybe there was some show they watched or something that I'm not not catching or whatever. But but the thing that I started thinking about was, is there any benefit to any of it? I know that's kind of a weird thing to say, but like are some of the societal things ones that like became programmed in as norms for a reason? You know what I mean? Like was there, I, I'm sure, you know, there's all kinds of things we've, talked about it before you and I, but like, you know, the things, the the ways that women are held back and things like that, that clearly was about the people who have power taking the power, you know, away from those folks. But like, are there other things that are became societal norms because there was actually some sort of, I don't know, evolutionary benefit, or there was something, there was some, there was something that spoke to like maybe a kernel of a more natural inclination towards one thing or the other and then so that's kind of half of it and then the other half is so there i find myself often going like i want to let that go i want them to like just be themselves and not be influenced by 
what they're supposed to do as a little boy or a little girl. But then I sometimes ask those questions. I'm like, am I, you know, am I training a, a little boy to be like really empathetic in a way that's not going to serve him later on? Am I teaching like my daughter to be like very brash and loud and whatever, because I think it's hilarious and I like that those things about her. And is that going to like not serve her later on at some point? So it's like, I don't know. I, I just had kind of like con complicated internal dialogue around that as far as like what's the right play or like what do you i don't know what do you do with that information is it all just gut or you know like yeah and either either way you're influencing them right right? either way you're sort of like there's a gate that you're like sort of pushing them towards you know whether it's whether you are following culture or whether you're pushing against it you're Mm -hmm. still directing your kid in a direction i always i struggle with this to be honest with religion Mm. Which is, so it's not like it's, it's not, um, you know, gender or sexual orientation or anything like that. But with, with religion, I think it's, you know, people, there's, there's people, I think like I have atheist friends who would say that like you're indoctrinating your kids at a young age. And in fact, I think that, you know, they would say that that's some form of like child abuse in a way Mm. because you're Mm. mentally like taking them down this path where they feel obligated to be a part of a religion and it it. It, it creates their entire worldview revolves around this and they don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think like a Christian hearing that would be highly offended by that. But when you hear them talk about it, they don't sound like some, you know, liberal atheist. Like it sounds actually pretty reasonable. It's like, right. yeah, the, the same thing we like sort of get on to cults about of like brainwashing people. It's like, that's mm-hmm. just general religion. So I struggle with that of like, so I was born without a choice. I was born into a religion and, I guess I could have rejected it as an adult, but it's really difficult to do so because rejecting it means basically turning away from my family history, mm-hmm. turning away from my wife's family history. Like it's a very difficult thing. But on the flip side, I also think regardless of whether I could, conti- like I continue to buy into that or not, there's a reason why religions of different types have existed for the entirety that man has, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's some sort of, and you could argue that it's because they didn't have the science to know any better. But I think you could just as equally say that there is something about mythology, call it religion, mythology, whatever you're going to call it, that helps us understand and interpret the world around us and and also give us meaning and purpose and help us understand the suffering that we go through and make sense of the world and its difficulties and challenges and and in a way that I think is useful, regardless mm-hmm. of which religion it is. And so I struggle with that. It's like, am I... If, if we grow up, regard, let's just say we picked the church or maybe, you know, if we're Jewish, we picked the synagogue or wherever, it doesn't really matter. If you grow them up in that faith, on one hand, they don't have a choice. You're making that decision for them because no child, if they're in like the, the, the Methodist church, for instance, and when their parents say, hey, you need to get confirmed when you're 10 or 12 or whenever it is, no child is like, no, I'm not going to do that, mm-hmm. you know, you know, and so they're not going to reject it. But on the other end, if I just chose like atheism and just said, hey, I'm not going to bring my kids up or agnosticism and just said, hey, I'm going to bring my kids up, just letting them believe whatever they want. Well, then you're not creating any sort of foundation mm-hmm. for them to make sense of the world. And, right. and science, as much as I believe science to be a <laughs> real thing, doesn't answer those questions. Mm-hmm. Right? It doesn't answer the why that you know, it tries to get at the how. Mm-hmm. But it, it doesn't answer those sort of deeper, deep lying, like existential questions. And so... Anyway, that was a long-winded rant, but I, 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 I struggle with that too. It's like, I think that we need foundational, we need foundations, right? We need history. We need, we need tradition. Right. Um, 
Yeah, I've had that same thought too, where I was like, because I've 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 thought it through for myself and uh, and tried to, you know, I haven't really gone down that road really in any. I've kind of had a, a non-decision type of path for that up to this point, and I'm like, ah, you know, they're young; it doesn't really matter anyway. How are they supposed to understand any of these concepts? It doesn't, you know. It's I've got time to make up my mind, but uh, but yeah, I I feel that way too, where I'm just like. I believe what I believe, but I also, I don't want to create a dynamic in which if they don't, that that's, that changes the way I feel about them in any way. But I also kind of also there, like in my mind and in my, how I interact with the world, like there is God. And so there's also a part where I go, like, if I don't present my version of things, at least, am I keeping them from having God in some, you know, like, are they my beliefs sometimes go all over the place and I poke a lot of whatever those beliefs are. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of like swooshing them around all the time, but there, there is a God in my belief system and in my view of the world and things. And I, and so there's this part where I'm like, okay, how there's a, I guess you just have to choose at a point because what of those things do I give? And what are those things do I say? Like, mm, well, here's, here are some things that are out there. You choose or you're too young and I'm choosing for you right now. I don't know. It's the experience has been interesting too, of like, what astounded me was the amount of people who, when my kid was born, gave us like very religious mm. books, like children's mm. books, uh, you know? And I'm just like, I don't know. First of all, I don't need, I don't know how many children Bibles my kid needs. Um, like, I don't know how, how, like it's a, so on one hand you're like, man, that's really thoughtful. Mm -hmm. And like, I really appreciate that you feel close enough to me and, and see me as sort of a spiritual enough person that you think this is, it is, it's a very nice, it's a very nice gift. Mm -hmm. Like, but it's also interesting too. Like there's the other side of that, which is some of the stuff that people gave me is, reading through like, I don't know if you've had this experience, but reading through like Christian kids literature in some ways almost makes me feel like the intent of that literature is more to help them learn the names and learn the stories of the Bible and like push that narrative onto them than it is to actually teach them morality. Mm. Like I mm. feel like the moral stories of like secular books are better. You know, it's mm. like, like the David, the David and Goliath story, just, it's not. Yeah. What are you supposed to take really, away from that? <laughs> it's not kid. really about bravery. It's about right. this impossible thing that God allowed this kid to do. Mm -hmm. And no, and no kid is going to go to process that of like, I'm tiny and can never slay a giant, but with the mighty power of God, I can. Right. It's like, meanwhile, you have like, the, you know, John, John class. And I don't know if it's class or class and it's class. But like, he has this really simple, he, he's, I don't know if you've read any stuff, but his stuff's great. He has one called my, my favorite children's books, children's book of bows is, is we found a hat and it's by John Classen. And it's literally the story of two turtles who they're walking in like the desert, which, you know, gets me because it's sort of West Texas vibes or New Mexico vibes. And they come upon a hat and there's the whole thing is like, there's two of us and there's only one hat and they both want it and they go to sleep. And one of the turtles goes to sleep and one of the turtles thinks about sneaking away and grabbing the hat, you know, and, and mm -hmm. then eventually decides like, you know, it's better off for neither of us to have the hat for than for one of us to have it, you know? 
that's a super complicated notion of mm-hmm. like brotherhood and like, you know, looking out for each other and just mutual respect. Uh, some would call it communism uh, <laughs> <laughs> or socialism. Uh, <laughs> sure. But that pinko stuff really, that you're pulling. That's a really green. complicated theory, but it's so beautiful and like simply told mm-hmm. that like, Bo is like a, I remember as a one and a half year old, I can remember him being like, just kind of getting that, like they can't both have hats. So neither mm. of them have a hat. Mm. And you're like, anyway, it's like, that's fucking beautiful. Yeah. Not like God through his mighty act and grace, let right. me kill this giant. <laughs> right. Daddy. I think it's about time that we made our way over the crock pot. It's smelling mm. real nice tonight. Let mm. me tell you smelling. I've been, I've been smelling it all day. I've been in the house. It's been torturing me. You know, I, I've wanted to, I've, I've lifted the lid. I wasn't quite done yet. It's done. It's ready. It's ready to go. So we've got one here from a listener, Michael from Wisconsin. It's kind of a long one. So stay with me because I, I'm going to read it as he wrote it because I do think yeah. it's important to kind of keep that. So how do you adjust the new schedule of being a dad? I feel like every minute is a rush and there's never any time left in the day waking up morning workout rushing to finish before it's time to get the baby get the baby up and dressed and hand it off to my wife so i can rush through the shower in time to take her to daycare then work all day and when the day is done trying to feed her some solids after my wife picks her up bath time bottle book bed dinner for my wife and then my own bedtime do you adjust to the schedule or what do you do about it i know that is the realest question maybe that we've had yeah. so far uh, <laughs> michael speaking my language yeah i i i mean he he's nailed it he has he has put it right there for you in in beautiful uh painted imagery for us uh yeah what do you do with that like how do you adjust do you adjust uh this is kind of like my i've talked about my uh, maybe before with you my rich why why rich people are a jerk at restaurants theory which is that they have so they have traded time for money so many times right they've like given their mental physical health their their hours their time with their family whatever they've given away to get all this money and so then when they finally have that hour window where they're at a nice fancy restaurant and it doesn't go perfectly they just lose it and it's because they've given all the rest of their time away so they have to cram perfection into like a tiny little chunk so is it that like i mean is it just that you have to be satisfied with an hour of getting as much in as you of what you want as possible is it that you just suck it up for a few years like what what do we do Corey? what do we do with this First of all, I like your theory. I would probably argue that they're just think they're better than everybody else. <laughs> That's true too. That's true too. That's <laughs> but very I do, fair. But I do think philosophically that's a really interesting thought. And there's probably some truth to that. The other way to think about it is that they have made so much money that they are constantly outsourcing their responsibilities. Mm. So they're so used to not having to do anything. Mm. that therefore when somebody screws up that thing that they have not been responsible for doing in years, it's, there's never empathy because they haven't done that thing in forever. They just expect right. it to be done for them. And so right. it's blame instead of anyway. So I think between the two, I think there's, there's, I think we're, I think we're on it. 
look, I, I think I, I battled that a lot. I think early on, I think I still battle it some, I think it's this fight to, <laughs> for me, for me, it's like, it's like when, every time I start working out because I always just start sometime, I always get really like, I always think about it as like, well, there's going to be some sort of end to this. Like, mm. so I keep telling myself like, oh yeah, I can do it today because you know, like eventually there'll be some end in sight, which is why I've never like picked up a workout routine. Cause I've never just accepted the fact that it's like, this is a part of my life and this is the way it's going to be going forward. And so I think early on, like parenthood, fatherhood just feels like that. It's like, this is not the new normal. This is just like a temporary thing. Like, and, and I think it's easy to do that early on because the kids in their infant stages have such like sort of two week spans where it's like, okay, well, we're not sleeping at all. Okay. Well now we're through that. We're sleeping a little bit. Then there's a regression. It's like, but we'll get through that. There's some sort of like progression and it's all sort of based on like sleep. And then I think you fight it for a long time. And at some point you just realize like, no, like this is, this is my life now, <laughs> you know, like this is what it is. And, and like, there are very few moments that are my own and there are very few, like um, I have very little control over my schedule. It just revolves around the kids needs and wants and, it, and everything changes depending on if your kids needs and wants and changes change, not changes your needs and wants change. So I think part of it is just like acceptance and honestly just trying to like knock that shit out so that you have more time for yourself. Yeah. Cause I think that, that was my other mistake by the way. Sorry. One more thing is that like, I had a phase. I think, I think in some ways I'm like just getting through it and maybe I'm still in it to a degree where like I have a little bit of apathy. So I've accepted the fact that that's my life now, but I don't like it. Mm -hmm. And so I sort of like, it's like, Oh, I don't want to do that right this second. I can put it off for five minutes. So I can put it off till after we do that thing. And by doing that, you're just elongating the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, then it really takes over your life. Like my wife is just brilliant about like, just knock stuff out. And so it maximizes the time that she has. Now, sometimes she has to commit that to work or sometimes she has to, sometimes she's able to use it for her own leisure. But I would say that's the thing is like, the key is accepting it, embracing it and just like knocking that shit out so that you can, that's the only way to maximize mm -hmm. your own time and your own personal headspace. No, I, I, I'm in the same camp too. I think it's a really challenging thing to just accept though. I, I still battle that in my head i'm still like ah well once x and y happened then uh and you know there have been things that have gotten some easier but i think it's it's the sort of the thing like i remember hearing about some i think it was a comedian or something talking about that they were just talking about how focused they get they got with things once they had kids like as far as and it, and i think it's just out of necessity of just being like there's no time like get, get after it. You know, like I am not a planner by nature, but I can tell you that like when I hit my leisure time, I always have a very intricate plan of what I'm going to do with that amount of time. Uh, and it's usually too many things or it's, it's overly ambitious or whatever it is. And I don't like that. Like it, I already buck against how much structure there has to be in life. Like I like improvisation. I like to be able to be spontaneous and like, as life goes on, the more I feel like, okay, well, if I want to do anything that I want, it requires a lot more planning. And I can't just assume that that's going to be the way things are going to be like, even to the point where little things like I used to, I used to have in my trunk of my car, like everything 
I just had like a trunk full of stuff because I would go, I just want to be able to fly by the seat of my pants. And if somebody's like, you want to do this thing, I've got what I need to do that. Even like extra clothes and whatever. And I was going through it the other day and I was like, I don't need any of this stuff in here. I I have not left the house in so long and not known exactly the activity I was going to go do, what I needed, what everybody else needed, how much time we actually had to do it because of getting back for this meal or this thing or this nap or this whatever. Uh, I'm like, what what pipe dream do I think that I'm just out there cruising around and then an opportunity jumps up and now I can take advantage of it. So it's definitely a challenge for me where I buck against that. I don't like all that structure. And at the same time, even with having a lot less time, there have been certain things that I have gotten way more accomplished than I ever would have before kids because I had to be that focused and that kind of dialed in whatever it was that I was doing if I was ever going to have a chance of doing it. So I think that there's like, you know, I have like dreams of just like free time flowing in uh, where I can do with it whatever I want. And at the same time, I'm like, if I got it, I might just go back to the same as I was before where I, there was a boatload of things that I never got around to that I always wanted to. So it's, I don't know. I, I think sometimes that's helpful for me just to like think of the flip side of the coin of saying is part of why it was so good or why I actually did it because of the scarcity of time and the, I don't know. I'm, it's something that I kind of kick around sometimes. Well, the the only thing I would I would maybe counterpoint you a little bit, or at least give mm. you some credit for, is I think I, I think you being super proactive about structuring that time is actually I think it's actually really beneficial because I think your sort of rub, which is I'm not as spontaneous mm. as I once was, was I think it's a, I think it's a slightly different challenge. I think the reality is like we don't have the time or the ability to be spontaneous because we have three other people for each of us that are like requiring our time. And it's like, even if I had the time to be spontaneous, like I'd be throwing that on my partner and mm-hmm. that's not fair to them. Right, right. But the structuring thing, I feel like I, you know, I'm on the other side of the pendulum where I was so unstructured. It's like, I can't even think about myself because I just have to get through this. And so what ends up happening is that little time that you have you just end up like vegging out or just doing the thing that's convenient or like it's like pleasurable at the time. So that may just be like sinking into the couch or it may be, it's, it's rarely productive, right? Mm. It's just like, what is the easiest outlet mind numbing thing that I can do? That's not being responsible for a child in that moment. And that's where like, I felt like I would have like months at a time where I would just like lose myself. Cause mm-hmm. it's like, like I'm either doing stuff for the kids or I'm vegging out. I'm, there's no part of my life where I'm actively taking control mm. of like, who am I? What do I want to be at, be about? Even if it's only for 15 minutes at a time, what am I doing that stimulates me? Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think that you can get lost in that pretty quickly and pretty easily. And I, th- and, 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 and so I actually think that you structuring time is hugely productive in that. So, so yeah, all that to say is, uh, Michael, we don't have an answer for you, but we can empathize and um, maybe just just finding those little little pockets you can carve away for yourself might make things a little easier. And in the meantime, yeah. we're with you. 
and we're feeling it too. And uh, you're not yeah. alone. You're not alone. Totally. Embrace it. Embrace it. It's what I would encourage if you've got somewhere between 40 and 50 minutes of spare time and you want to hang out with a couple of dads who are going through it too. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be mindless, unstructured time. You know, it's you not. Know. You're going to get you know it's not. a lot of enrichment out of that. You know, here's, that's what here's a lot what of people say. say. I'm going to, I'm going to say, pull it together, you know, go ask your boss for a raise. Right. One. Go pull together a few extra thousand dollars. Get mm. yourself a night nurse. Mm. Get yourself a nanny. Yep. And uh, you know, just have some free time. Let somebody else raise your kids. <laughs> and I think I that's think the solution. That's, that's wise. That's really wise. I I, I you're gonna be that. you're gonna become a real jerk at right. restaurants. Yes. But uh, you're gonna enjoy your free time, and you're gonna have but plenty of it. Let me tell you. That boat's not going to sail itself. I'll just say that. That's right. That's right. And uh, you know what an what an epic silhouette that you can cast as you're in the harbor, going away from your children who are screaming your name, but you're there and the sun's setting and the water's looking nice, and you look epic out there on your boat, man. It'll be cool. Yeah, it'll be real cool. Hey, I, I will say this could be horrendous advice. <laughs> This could be horrendous advice. Oh boy! But I feel I feel strongly about this. Oh boy! Don't pour, don't pour yourself into your job. Yeah. Like if that's if that's your outlet, man. Find there's nothing else. good. There's yeah. There's nothing good that's going to come out of that if your outlet from your kids is your job. Yep. Like I, I just don't think. Yeah, you could you could do well. You could have success. You might, but like eventually, there's going to be some sort of sacrifice one way or the other because the people at your job don't don't care. Right. They don't care about your kids or your family. Like they're just so you're at some point you're gonna start sacrificing. Anyway, I'll stop. But I would just say no. don't pour yourself into that. Find something else. I'm gonna give that a secondary stamp right there. And that's <laughs> the, the official approval from both of the meatballs. That is the meatball stamp that you wanted and that you needed. Done yeah. and dusted is what I'd say. <laughs> Done and dusted. I, you know, I, by the way, I think I feel like just in case somebody I work with is is listening to this, I would say <laughs> do your job and do it well. <laughs> do your job, do it well, do it competently, but find yourself a hobby. Find yourself <laughs> We're walking a fine line here. We're walking. Yeah, you'll a be better at your job line. if you find some other outlet too. By the way, <laughs> it's true, and you're and whoever works alongside you won't hate your guts because. You won't be trying to steal theirs too. There you go. Well, Corey Green, I think it's about that time. It's about that time. About that time. Sing our swan song. Hey, as I mentioned it with our with our old pal Michael, we're glad he wrote in to us and gave us some stuff for the crock pot. But I think it would be fun if you uh I would encourage you all find somebody that you might be able to listen to an episode with. You know, maybe you just turn it on casually while you're on a uh in a car with somebody. Uh, and then you're like, oh, this is the stupid thing I listen to. And then maybe it will spark some sort of conversation with you. Maybe a friendship will flourish. You might have untold riches after that. You might, uh, anything could happen basically at that point. So I, you know, whether it's maybe you share it with a, with a pal or maybe you, you do one better. I know that's tough in this COVID world, but if, if you have the opportunity to, to listen together, it might, uh, 
you might find that you got a, a buddy who's thinking some of the same stuff that you are. So that's my little ask this week. Yeah. If you got a buddy that's thinking about having kids and you think it's a bad idea for them <laughs> to do so, have them listen to this podcast. They'll probably think twice about it. <laughs> Especially if they've listened to all the episodes. Let me just tell you, it is quite a grim picture we're painting here. It is. <laughs> it's a long road. It's a long road. It's a toughie. It's a real tough one. But yeah, we'd love it. We'd love it if you could do that. Uh, or uh, send us a question. We would love that as well. We we love getting real questions from real dads and you can keep it as anonymous as you want. We don't even know. Michael's name might not be Michael. That's fine. He might not be from Wisconsin. That's cool. But uh, any question, if you send it to dadsthespicymeatball at gmail.com, you can get us there. You can send us a direct message on Instagram. You can send us a message on Facebook, uh, whatever you're comfortable with. As always, I want to give a special thanks to Nick Shields of the band Odd Folks for our theme music. It's kicking and kicking. It's a kicking tune and we like it. And we, and even as I'm editing every week and I hear the theme song again, gets me going, gets me going. I love the stuff that, that they, they make. Go listen to that band, check them out. Uh, also somebody, another listener, uh, this week told me that I'm really missing an opportunity and not saying that, uh, Julie Hartman for our heart work, that I'm not wow. that I'm really missing an opportunity there. And so I'm wow. gonna take that listener up on it. And I and you heard it. You heard it here. Thank you, Julie Hartman, for our heart work. Very nice. Thank you. Corey hates that one. But you know, I hey, didn't write it. You know what? I just I way to go. Way to go, guys. Good, great suggestion. I didn't write I'm it. I'm all for it. I just said I would do it. That's all I said. I made I hey. if I make a promise, I will keep it. Corey Green. Hey, no, not, the, how no dare you ask me to lie. How dare you? No judgment. No Stop judgment trying to get yet. me to break my my promises and my <laughs> go against my convictions. My favorite, as always, Mr. Corey Green. Always a pleasure talking to you. And uh, always a pleasure, brother. I love you heaps, and I'll talk to you next week. Love you too, brother. Smooches. Bye bye. <laughs>